Welcome to Dumb Love. I'm Sally Brooks. And I'm Jen O'Neill Smith. And this is a podcast about all the dumb things that people will do for love. So welcome to episode 128. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. <laughs> it's our big holiday episode. It is. And I didn't do any holiday themed stories. Whoops. No? Well. Sorry. Did you? <laughs> My quickie is ho- holiday themed. Okay. Jen and I had our holiday party. Yeah. Yep. We went to uh, dinner at one of my favorite restaurants. Um, it's called Del Bar. It's in Inman Park. It, if you live in Atlanta, it's delicious. It is delicious. Um, it's like schmancy, amazing Mediterranean. Yeah. So good. So good. But we were joking that it was our dumb love holiday party. <laughs> it was just mm-hmm. the two of us. <laughs> yeah. A lot of wine was had. A lot of wine, a lot of really laughs. Yeah, <laughs> it was good wine. Uh, we got a really nice message from a listener, Reed Burke. I hope that it's okay if I read this, Reed, because it made our day. Because we were being silly and like posting pictures on Instagram of each other, like, "Oh, look, it's our it's our holiday, it's our dumb love holiday party," and like uh, taking ridiculous pictures of one another and um, forgetting that we are over forty. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? We can't I just, have fun, Sally. <laughs> I just mean that, like, you know, no, I don't we mean anything. Cute in the pictures, is that what you're trying to say? Because I thought you were really fucking hot in the pictures. I thought you were super fucking hot. No, you were. <laughs> no I just meant that, uh, no, I don't know what I meant. You know what? Fuck that. Yeah. Fuck that pretending like we can't have fun, we can't live our lives, we can't post hot pictures. <laughs> <laughs> that was all in my mind. Anyway, so read. You're the worst feminist. Like I'm all for women's lib, but do you have to wear your top that low? Um <laughs> What are they going to think? Anyway, he said that he said, one of my favorite things about your podcast is how warm and supportive your friendship is and how you both genuinely enjoy each other. It's so comforting to listen to you both. And Jen and I both were like, that's what we love too. (laughs) We're really fooling them. Yeah, we're really fooling them. How much we hate each other. (laughs) You really think we're friends. Oh, it's all a ruse. It's all working. No, that was so nice. Thank you so much, Reed. That just made our day because we, were, especially because at that point, I think we were three. We we were convinced to get a bottle. They did not have uh-huh. to, after having already had individual glasses of wine, uh-huh. and then they were like, "You could take it home," and we were like, "Yeah, we'll we'll take it home." <laughs> it kept being like, "Let me know if you want me to cork that up for you," and we're like, "No, you know." <laughs> We'll get back. Just keep coming back. Yeah. Keep coming back to us. We were feeling good. And then the the really nice message set us over the edge. So thank you. It really did. Yeah. Thank you. Um, And you know what, Sally? What? I did not have even a little bit of a hangover. Really? Yeah. And that means it was like, you know, good wine. Yeah. (laughs) And good times. And good times. Yeah. Like it was. 
You know, yeah, do you ever just like get away with a fun night of waking up the next day feeling really good and then you're like, yeah, then last night was supposed to happen. <laughs> <laughs> and it's when you feel terrible that you're like, why did I? Why I'm so dumb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> why did I have that one extra glass of wine? I know. For me, it's like, that means two. <laughs> like yeah. I have my one extra. It's like, oh, that sits me over the edge. But no, it was great. It was so great. We had a fish. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Delicious. Um, all right. Well, let's get into some quickies because Jen is hiding in a closet because there are painters there and mm-hmm. I am hiding in my bedroom because there's two small children in my house. So uh, <laughs> time is of the essence. Time is of the essence, you guys. Jen, you know how we love a listicle, right? Mm-hmm. So I thought, and by me, I had been suggested <laughs> that we should do a countdown of the top holiday rom-coms. Okay. So I found a list on entertainment.com by... Uh, Jesus. Sorry. By Jesus? <laughs> Uh, no, but by Mary. Jesus loves a rom-com. <laughs> by Mary Solosi. Uh, thank you, Mary Solosi. Um, and she actually did not count down. She wasn't giving the top rom-coms. It's kind of funny. She just was like, I ranked 16. Here's some of them. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's like, I ranked 16 from the you last 30 years. You guys put them in order, however you want. I Googled, well, like- this is what came up. And then I just put them in a list. I don't know. But so, okay. So number 16 is, I want to see how you feel about these. If you know these movies, okay, how I you feel about them. I probably hate them all. I might, maybe there's a couple I like. I mean, I That's do. That's me being a Scrooge, but go Also right kind ahead. of feel like Mary also hates them all because she's very snarky about these. So okay. number 16, which I do think should be the last one, if it's going to be on a list at all, is New Year's Eve by Gary Marshall. Have you seen oh, that? No. I Listen, I met Gary Marshall once. Lovely man. Um, I love him. Uh-huh. All of those like Valentine's Day, New Year's Eve, Mother's Day. They're like, such shit. They're terrible. It's just they're like, terrible. A, like a star-studded – Fuck fast. Is that the right word? (laughs) I don't think fuck fast is exactly fuck. (laughs) It's just like, I want to go to a star studded (laughs) fuck fast. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds. Sounds like what I do want to do for New Year's Eve is right? go to a star set and fuck that. Okay, this um, no, she just, called it <laughs> she called it a mind-numbingly shallow effort <laughs> that followed the December 31st adventures of dull characters. Okay, that's a nicer <laughs> way to put it. So basically <laughs> A star set of fuck fest. Uh, number 15 <laughs> is 1989's 200 Cigarettes. I loved that movie, actually. I love that movie. There you go. I so, owned it on VHS and I watched it a hundred times. Um, I um, really like Elvis Costello and Elvis Costello was in the movie. Courtney Love is amazing in the movie. Paul Rudd yeah. is amazing. I, that was a good one. Yeah. Well, the Mary says it's a very bad ensemble rom-com with a Fuck great, you, very great ensemble. <laughs> <laughs> Number 14 is Just Friends. We've got Ryan Reynolds 
Anna um, Ferris and Amy Smart. That was pretty funny. There were funny parts of that movie. There were funny parts of that movie, but when I have watched it recently, I realized that it is 100% just about fat jokes because remember, like, Ryan oh, Reynolds right. was like, used to be fat, and then they was just friends, and then now he's hot. It and, did not uh, age well. It did not age well. It's a yeah. lot of Ryan Reynolds in a fat suit. So I'm going to say, no. okay, then we have Four Christmases with Reese Witherspoon and Vince Vaughn. I remember thinking that it was enjoyable. Yeah. Who was while. I talking to that I had to tell them that Vince – oh, it was Allie Edge, who's a, a comic here in, in, uh, in Atlanta, mm-hmm. um, had never seen – she's never seen Swingers. Really? And I was like, it's hot Vince Vaughn. She was like, there was a hot Vince Vaughn. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> you have got to watch it because that I is like think Vince, Vince Vaughn, Vaughn at his – still hot. Same, but he I also is. when you watch Swingers, you're like, oh my god, he was so adorable. He was, but I'm more of a John Favreau girl. You well, you mm-hmm. know, there's, there's someone for everyone. <laughs> Especially I went after I watched his um, the Chef Show, and yeah. just I watched. I think I've talked about this on the podcast when I watched just how much. He loves talking to people about food and he's passionate and he like just loves food and he loves movies and just the way that he talks to people and he he comes from a place of like I want not like I'm an expert. He comes from a place of like I want to learn, teach me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like and I love it and I just he just wants to like devour life and it that just made me like fall in love with John Favreau. Right, and then I followed John Favreau. John Favreau on Instagram for a whole year and I, I remember I would send like tweets uh, no on Twitter and then I would send he would post all this political stuff and then I would send t- these tweets to my friend Mike who also liked the chef show and I'd be like see isn't he amazing don't you just love John Favreau <laughs> and then like a year later I realized that I was following the wrong John Favreau <laughs> Totally different person. Totally but different. You know, it, it doesn't take away from John Favreau and the Chef Show <laughs> and that John Favreau. I mean, he's an amazing director. He's yeah. really he's he's done a lot. So yeah. okay, so Four Christmases. Yeah. The next one is Last Christmas, which I think is a pretty. It's Paul Feig. Paul Feig. Mm, uh, I don't it's know. kind of a a recent one. I have not seen it. And then we have The Family Stone. That was a heartbreaker. Yeah, I went. I saw that in the movie theater. <laughs> Like on over New Year's, uh, but that's, that's a, a good one. Yeah, I like that one. Then we have Serendipity, which I don't think of as a holiday movie, but I guess it is. I guess of. because there's ice skating involved. I, I don't think know. so. But Hot is, chocolate. Yeah, it's a cute movie. I love John Cusack. So I'll I mean, take it. yeah, how could you not love the cues? And then Last Holiday with Queen Latifah and LL Cool J, which I mean. LL Cool J was like, I think the first, one of the first guys that I was like, what? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, men can make me feel like that. Or (laughs) as my mom would say, LJ Cooley. (laughs) (laughs) I, one of like the things that I, it's so random and it probably will not be funny is that one time when Aaron slash Dr. Dude Fuck was like in seventh grade. Her mom came in and you know mom, you know moms be saying ridiculous things. Like she came in and instead of saying uh like good morning sunshine, she said, good morning, Queen Latifah. <laughs> and 
We have never stopped laughing about that because she had no idea who <laughs> or what Latifah a was. Queen Latifah was. <laughs> she just thought, oh, this is a fun thing to say. <laughs> That's so cute. <laughs> That's adorable. Um, so I have not – no, I have seen that, but it's been a really long time. Then we have While You Were Sleeping with Sandra Bullock, Bill Pullman, mm. which I love. I don't know that I remember actually watching it, but didn't – wasn't the story that she pretended to be in a relationship with somebody that was in a coma? Yes. And then her bro- his brother is Bill Pullman. And then, of course, Oh, Faye. right, 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 right. Fall in love. Mm-hmm. Number seven, we have Last Year's Happiest Season that has Kristen Stewart, Mackenzie Davis, Dan Levy – um, I liked that. I did too. I thought yeah. it was real cute. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we have The Best Man Holiday, which is a Tay Diggs, Morris Chestnut, Terrence Howard, which I have not seen. I have seen The Best Man. Yeah. I haven't seen the holiday one, but I nope. do love Tay Diggs. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, why have I not? Then we have The Holiday, which I have seen probably a million times, which is Jude Law, Kate Winslet, Cameron Diaz, and they switch places. Yeah. I saw that a long time ago, but I can't remember any feelings on it. It's worth another watch. It's very cheesy and also adorable. Okay. Okay, number four, You've Got Mail. Yeah. Eh. I like You've Got Mail. I did a long time ago, but the more that I watch it now, like if I were to watch it, I don't think that aged well. I think that's actually pretty problematic. Yeah. She fell in love with a guy that like ruined – her business right and he knew it was her for a long time and didn't say anything yeah yeah it's a little it's a little cringy it is yeah uh number three bridget jones's diary which i I also love Mm -hmm. i love 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 uh number two love actually how do you feel about love actually i know everybody wants to go back and shit on love actually yes um all over the place there's a million articles but i enjoy love actually i so much enjoy love actually. Yeah. Um, and finally at number one, can you guess what it is? Because I would never have thought this was a holiday movie. <laughs> is it The Godfather? No. That's my favorite <laughs> holiday movie. Is it? I have never seen The Godfather. You've never seen The Godfather? No, I know none of them. This is <laughs> which would be hard? weird if I was everybody's everybody debates over whether or not Die Hard is a ho- holiday movie or not. It's I don't not, really it, care. I'm not a big diehard person, but there's yeah. a debate about whether or not um, The Godfather is a holiday movie. And to me, I say, yes, it is. You say 100%. Well, yes. I'll have to watch it and then I'll weigh in. <laughs> but whatever you say, I'm with you. Okay. Uh, it is When Harry Met Sally. They say what? it's a New Year's Eve movie. Huh. Eh. I don't know that I agree with that, but I do love that movie. Yes. Um, I would have never have said that. I would have never. I, I would never. I would never sell it. Because I, I don't really re- even remember that it had anything to do with New Year's Eve. Well, do you – okay. So this is the very end. It's New Year's Eve. He, like, runs to find her on New Year's – on New Year's. And uh, and he says, here's the quote. He says, I came here tonight because when you realize you want to spend the rest of your life with somebody, you want the rest of your life to start as soon as possible. And then they kiss New Year's Eve. Amazing. Probably New Year's Eve 1989. That's very sweet. So there you go. There's okay. my holiday themed quickie, which like was not that. super quick, but. No, I like it. And that's good because my quickie is very quick. So awesome. See? The yin and the yang. <laughs> Yet in the yang. We're always in sync. 
I like that. That was a nice little holiday walk down memory movie, movie memory lane. Yeah. So it, um, you guys send us, let us know what your favorite holiday rom-com is. I mean, there's so many. There's got to be more. <laughs> right? Outside of those. Yeah. My quickie this week is from, um, actually, this is another local quickie. Nice. Man, so much stuff. So much shit happens in Atlanta. <laughs> do, do not sleep on Atlanta. Um, <laughs> like you be talking about Florida, but don't sleep on Atlanta. <laughs> they say, yeah, Atlanta is the city too busy to hate. Uh-huh. Um, but what's funny is that all of these quickies are definitely about Atlanta people hating each other. Yeah. Um, I love uh, um, Greg Barron's has that joke where he's like, they say Atlanta's the city too busy to hate, but out in the suburbs, we got nothing but time. <laughs> oh, <that's right>. <laughs> <laughs> I love Greg. I know. Um, okay. So this is an article for 11alive.com uh, written by Ka- uh, Caitlin Ross. I got to get your opinion on this. Um, okay. So an Atlanta couple is completely outraged. Because they were out uh, and they got an Uber to take them home. This was at 3 o'clock in the morning. And they had an Uber driver pick them up. And um, when the Uber driver got there, the couple said to them, hey, we don't have any masks. Is that okay? Because they knew that Uber had a mask policy. And the guy said, no, that's okay. Come on in. So then the couple gets in the car. And then about seven minutes into the trip, the conversation turned into like, the Uber driver started talking about how, um, oh, I just got my booster. Are you vaccinated? And then they both told them that they were not vaccinated. And then the Uber driver started to get like kind of irritated and was trying to convince them to get that why they should get vaccinated. And apparently he he even took out an iPad and while he was driving, started Googling things to try to show them information on the COVID vaccine. Oh, really? (laughs) I mean that. that. (laughs) Yeah. So there's a little bit of it's that's why I want to get your opinion. And so the woman in the car said that I was scared. He was driving fast and on his iPad, Googling, trying to prove a point. And then that's when right there on the side of 75, which is a five lane highway, he pulled over to the emergency lane and told them to get the fuck out. (laughs) She said, he started cursing. And of course we got out and we were scared. So it it was like a half a mile away. No, I'm sorry. It was a mile and a half away from the Northside Drive exit ramp. So they had to like walk. Oh, Jesus. From there to the exit ramp. Um, she said, it could have went a lot worse if we got hit, a card slid into us, if we got picked up. And Uber told 11 Alive News, this rider's experience is very concerning. In accordance with our community guidelines, we expect all users to treat each other with respect. We've been in touch with her, and we will continue to look into this report, her being um, the woman in the car. Yeah. She, she told 11 Alive News, he could have at least – at least as a human, waited until the exit ramp and dropped us off at a gas station somewhere safe or well lit. He didn't even do that. So I understand not wanting someone in your car who isn't vaccinated. Yeah. But I don't – and I understand, like, we're all very heated about – I mean, I'm vaccinated, you're vaccinated. Like, we're all very heated about whether or not – the debate on whether or not to be vaccinated. Yeah. But yeah, he should they should he shouldn't have left them on the side of 
a very dangerous, very busy highway. Like yes. That. Well, see, here's here is what this is 100% my bias against mm-hmm. people that don't have masks and are not vaccinated and are getting in a car with someone and being like, yeah, we're not vaccinated, no problem. Like just putting other people at risk. Um, is that I don't believe the shit they're saying. I don't believe it. I maybe he did ask them about like saying he got his booster and whatever, and then they decided to like. I don't know. I just don't know if this is true. I don't believe. Yeah, you th- there's two sides to every story. Maybe, yes, I have you know, a hard it's 3 time. Three o'clock in the morning. Maybe they were very inebriated. Yeah, maybe they were belligerent. The person was just like, "Yeah, I'm not putting up with this." Yeah, maybe he felt in danger. Like I'm, he probably did feel in danger. But you know, who knows what the thing is? I just know that like my this hairdresser that I went to. Um, she was requiring people to wear masks, like kind of like right when she opened back up, kind of before people were getting vaccinated and someone came in and who was really angry about having to wear a mask and then left her just like, and actually was fine during the appointment, but then left just like a scathing review like on all of the things, you know, like on all of her like places you can review. Oh Yeah. That's Even though everywhere. It's- she was like, she, she was like, she was totally happy when she left with her haircut and everything. Just it reminds me of that, of like just changing the truth because you're mad about something, something. completely different. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe if, if that's true, then that is bullshit that they got dropped off on the side of the highway because it's so dangerous. Yeah. Um, I, guess I have a hard time thinking it's There's got to be a dash cam somewhere. And there's the the truth is out there, Sally. <laughs> but also, I kind of uh, it, even like I kind of love the balls of being like, get out of my fucking car. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is what you get. <laughs> oh, you don't want to get vaccinated or wear a fucking mask? Then get out of my fucking car. Ugh, get out of my fucking car is just oh, it's like the you can't fire me because I quit. Yeah, it's like it's so good. <laughs> You just always want to keep that in your pocket. Yep. <laughs> Fuck out of my car. <laughs> you can't fire me because I quit. Or you get in a cab and you say, and step on it. Those yeah. are the three things. <laughs> Follow that car. Keep it in your pocket. <laughs> oh, good one. I love it. Uh, all right. No, why? I said good one to my own cookie. <laughs> Jen, you're Go hilarious. <laughs> Pat on the back. Good job, good Sally. Job. Good job, Jen. <laughs> you should be telling yourself good job. You did a good job. Good one. <laughs> hey, Jen. Hey, Sal. Are you ready for a wild story? Yes. This is a, not holiday themed, but I do feel like it's holiday in that I'm just going to give you a spoiler. Nobody dies. So oh, there you go. Happy holidays. Good. For once. <laughs> For yeah. once. Uh, I got my information from an AP News article by Mary Esch, from NNY360 by Ben Muir, from WCAX by Kelly O'Brien, and from Wikipedia. Nice. Okay, so Moira, New York is a small town of just 3,000 people that's right near the Canadian border. And the town motto is nice town, friendly people. 
And it's mostly known, it's not a tourist town, it's mostly known as a place that people pass through on their way to Canada or to the casino at the St. Regis Mohawk Reservation. It's not like a place people go, but it is a place that people stay. So a lot of people, you know, they grow up, they live there for their whole lives. People are proud of their little town. James and Sandra Helm fit that description. They've lived in more their whole lives. They love their town and they've never thought of leaving. In fact, they've lived in the same house for over 50 years, the house that they moved into right after they got married 54 years ago. Wow. Uh, they're now in their 70s. They raised their families there. They started their careers there. Um, and James has been the highway superintendent for the last decade, and he has a reputation in town of being a man of his word. And people know Jim and Sandra as they say they're kind-hearted people who mind their own business unless someone needs help, and then they are the first to offer. And that is kind of just what Jim and Sandra were doing on September 27th of 2020. They were spending a normal day around the house with one of their young grandsons, and then in the early evening, they dropped him off at his parents' house, and they went to dinner at a cafe in a nearby town of Norwood. When they got into bed around 9 p.m., they had no idea that that night their quiet, normal lives were about to become something out of a Liam Neeson film. Oh, no. So Jim had fallen asleep right away, but Sandra was still up. She was watching at 10 p.m. She was watching Law and Order um, when she heard a noise. So they have a cat and they put up a pet gate at night. So she thought maybe it was the cat running into the gate. But then she heard footsteps and she still wasn't scared because they have this big family and everybody lives in the area. And so she thought it was maybe one of her grandsons who often stopped by the house late to like sneak something out of their fridge. Like people were kind of always coming and going. She didn't think anything of it. But then the door of their bedroom opened, and standing there was not their grandson, but two men who had faces covered, they were armed, and they told the couple that they were being kidnapped. Oh, my God. And Sandra was like, well, who are you? And the men told them that the, the, the men told them the mafia, the mafia is waiting outside for you guys. Oh, my God. Jim started to resist the men. Um, but Sandra was like, no, don't, you know, just go along with them. She was worried about my what, what might happen. She was also worried about Jim's health and her health. Like they're both in their 70s. So the two men took the couple downstairs into the living room. And that's where they saw the front door was like standing open. It had been busted open, like jimmied open with a screwdriver. And so they put a mask over Jim's face but they didn't have one for Sandra, so they just grabbed a pillowcase off of a pillow on the couch and they put it over her head. Oh, my God. And then the couple, the men told the couple to walk outside. They were led to a pickup truck where they could hear that there were two people waiting in the pickup truck, a man and a woman. And the kidnappers didn't force Jim and Sandra. They weren't rough with them, but they had guns and zip ties. So, of course, the couple complied. Jim got in the back seat, and then one of the kidnappers got in the middle, and then Sandra was next to the kidnapper. And then the second man got in the front seat with the couple that was driving, and the truck started driving, they could tell, in the direction of the Mohawk Reservation. So as they drove, Sandra asked Jim over and over if he was okay, but he didn't answer. I think Jim seemed to be like a little scared of talking. They weren't sure what they were supposed to do. And finally, the kidnapper in the middle just kind of snapped like he's fine. And Sandra said she kind of snapped and she was like, I didn't ask if I didn't ask you if he was OK. I want to hear him tell me he's OK. And then Jim answered her. So she felt a little better. So the kidnappers drove on to 
the St. Regis Mohawk Reservation. They passed the big casino, and then they ended up taking the back roads towards the bank of the St. Lawrence River. So the reservation uh, is home to the Mohawk tribe. It's somewhat unique in that it sits on this river right on the border with Canada, but the tribe actually spans both sides of the border. So the Mohawk tribe considers the entire community to be one unit. So both Canadian and U.S. Mohawk um, and the people of the tribe have like the right to travel freely across the international border. So because of their like their right to travel freely and because like sometimes the rivers freeze in the winter, this area is rife with smugglers and trafficking. So like liquor, cigarettes, drugs, human trafficking is all like coming across the border at this reservation. Mm. Um, there actually was like a New York Times article that the headline was drug traffickers find haven in shadows of Indian Comp- in, of Indian country. And in that article, they said, in the eyes of law enforcement, reservations have become a critical link in the drug underworld. They have helped traffickers transport high-potency marijuana and ecstasy from eastern Canada into cities like Buffalo, Boston, New York, and have facilitated the passage of cocaine and methamphetamine from cities in the West and Midwest into rural America. So the the Mohawk police force like on, on the reservation are like, look <laughs> – we don't have any more of a drug problem than anywhere else, like or border problem. It is because of basically like the laws. The reservations are sovereign states. They don't get funding from the Department of Homeland Security to be able to patrol their borders. So it's easier for people to smuggle drugs across those borders. Mm-hmm. So it's not, you know, whatever. It's It's a problem, yes, but it's not like... Oh, it's a Native American problem. Right. So, okay. So that that's why they are going onto the reservation. So they get to the river, the St. Lawrence River that's right on the right on the border. Jim and Sandra are forced to walk down a small pathway through the woods. And then they get to the water and there is a boat waiting there. Oh my God. The man and the woman who are driving take the take their truck and leave. Jim and Sandra are put onto the boat. And Sandra says she can't help her big mouth. So she said, so what? Are we going to be fish food now? Oh, my <laughs> God. Just amazing. And so as they're about to leave, Sandra then spoke up again. She told them she was like, you know, look, if we're going to be gone for a while, like I need a catheter because she had colon cancer and she needs oh, catheters man. to use the restroom. And they had like rushed them out so fast that they hadn't grabbed anything from their home. They had no idea what was happening. So the kidnappers then kind of conferred and one of them left to go find catheters for her. And Sandra said that the guy who stayed behind was like, I shouldn't be doing this. I was only going to make $1,000. I knew this was going to be screwed up. And she actually thought that that guy was the nicer one because he actually at that point let Jim take off his mask and go on the boat and have a cigarette. Um, So anyway, the guy, after a while, the first guy returns to the boat with the catheters and Sandra said that she's like, I'm still confused as to how he found it so quickly because I can't get him without a prescription. So somehow this guy was super resourceful, but now they're back on the boat. Um, At that point, nobody has a mask on. Kidnappers had their masks off. The Helms had their masks off. And Sandra said she realized like once everybody had their masks off, she was like, they weren't going to let us go because now they have showed us who they are. So they continue down the river um, for a few hours. 
and they cross the border into Canada. And and at this point, while they're going, Jim and Sandra are actually down in a cabin below, so they're not seeing where they're going. But when they come out, when the boat stops, Jim gets out of the boat and looks around and goes, oh, I know exactly where we are. And the kidnappers are like, what? Wait, what? <laughs> and so apparently Jim used to haul iron in the area. So even though they tried to take a route to like confuse them as to where they were, he knew exactly where they were in oh, Canada. Wow. Yeah. When they get to the out of the boat, there's a truck and two more men waiting on the other side of the river. The new men get them into the car and drove Sandra and Jim over 200 miles to a small town in Quebec called Magog. And they arrive at 7 a.m. on Monday morning, September 28th. So they have been taken at 10 p.m. the night before. And then at 7 a.m. they arrive in this small town. So they're ushered into this small cottage. They're they're taken into a basement. It's like an unfinished basement. It has mattresses on the floor. It has a bathroom. And they were finally able to sleep. And the couple wasn't harmed and they weren't treated poorly, but they were never left alone. There were three men holding them in the cottage. There was a man who was like around their age in his 70s named George. They said he seemed very kind. He was kind of grandfatherly. And they actually said he they spent most of their time with him. He told them, he was like, oh, I'm just here on vacation. I, had, I don't know what's going on. And then there was also a guy who seemed to be in charge. His name is Mike. He was actually George's 49-year-old son. And then a third man who just seemed to be like a lackey, he actually like got to know Jim and Sandra. He was like told them, oh, I have two kids and another baby on the way. Like they're going to be like, congratulations. <laughs> Good for you. We also mm-hmm. have grandkids. Um So Jim and Sandra, like, occasionally were allowed to go up into the living room um, or out into the front yards for Jim to smoke. But they said they never really considered escaping because they're like, what will we do? We're in a foreign country. They're armed men. We're in our 70s. Sandra has a bad hip. Jim's health isn't great. Um, And every once in a while, they would be rushed into the basement, presumably when someone who was not in on the plan would come to the house. But otherwise, they were treated fairly nicely. On Monday, they were given candy bars and water to eat. And then on Tuesday, the kidnappers brought them a Supreme pizza and Mountain Dew, which is Sandra's favorite drink. Oh, wow. And and Sandra said, it was the best pizza I ever had. It was made different than ours. You know how ours has the pepperoni on the top? Everything was on the bottom. And then the cheese was on the top. I just love that she was like, it was the best pizza I ever had. That's how Papa John's (laughs) makes their pizzas. Oh, do they? I used to work at – unless they changed it, but I used to work at Papa John's and that was kind of the deal. Is that Have the, we talked about this? I also used to work at Papa John's. Maybe. We were phone bitches. I think we mm-hmm. did have that conversation. But um, yep. yeah, <laughs> I remember – I also made pizzas from time to time, but mm-hmm. I remember their whole you gotta thing pitch was in. that the, the toppings went on the sauce and then you do the cheese. I mean, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. I like it that way. Yeah. I like a little below and a little above. Mm-hmm. If you ask, layers. if you're talking to me, I like I layers. Layer so, of course, the thing that they're one that Jim and Sandra are wondering, which you're probably wondering as well, is why was this little old couple from a small town in upstate New York kidnapped and smuggled across the border? So, to their surprise, the kidnappers were actually fairly upfront about the reason that they told the couple that their grandson, <gasps> Mackenzie Helm, had stolen $3.5 million worth of cocaine from them. Oh my God. And that the kidnappers were going to hold them until they got that cocaine back. I and can't or, believe they didn't kill him. Right? Oh my God. $3.5 million worth of cocaine? Yes. That is an Oh, insane. yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> that is an insane amount of cocaine and or pudding. And or pudding, either way. Um, so back home in Moira in New York, Jim and Sandra's family um, on Monday, they were by Monday, they were where they were missing. Jim hadn't shown up for work on Monday. So one of their sons, Michael, went to look for them and found the front door that had been jimmied open. And he called the state police. Troopers noted that the bed was unmade. There was a jar of dog treats that had been overturned and that Jim and Sandra were nowhere to be found. So they found surveillance video near their home that showed the pickup truck um, arriving there late Sunday evening. And then actually Jim had had his cell phone on him for like most of the kidnapping. <laughs> and so uh, so they could trace the cell phone. It showed like that they were in on the Mohawk Reservation, they were on the border, and then they were out of the country. Oh, wow. So after Michael reported his parents missing on Monday, he got a call from the kidnappers, and they demanded that his nephew, Mackenzie, return the cocaine or give them $3.5 million in exchange for Jim and Sandra. So Michael was smart enough to ask for proof of life of his parents, which the kidnappers sent. But he also told them, like, look, there is no cocaine. Mackenzie doesn't have it. So apparently what happened, what happened was Mackenzie was a bit of a drug smuggler, but in general, he ran marijuana across the border for the Canadians. So he did know these people, but he generally was just a pot dealer. So he was 28 at the time, and he said he had never had anything to do with transporting cocaine. So on tw September 21st, 2020, which was six days before the kidnapping, Mackenzie and his mother, Michelle, drove a van to Vermont to get the drugs. He had been called by the Canadians who were like, hey, do you want to make some quick money? And he was like, sure, why not? So they stopped at Kohl's in Burlington right before noon. They got three pieces of luggage. Like they went and they bought three pieces of luggage apparently to get what they thought was marijuana. And then Mackenzie went to the grocery store parking lot to meet with the drug dealers. So according to the DEA, Mackenzie got out of the van and went to an SUV, the man in the SUV who turned out to be a DEA agent. They passed over the duffel bag of drugs um, and Mackenzie was arrested. The mother too was arrested. Michelle was arrested. Um, but apparently what had happened, what happened was the DEA had seized the drugs at some point in this chain before they busted McKenzie and his mom. So the DEA had all of the cocaine. Oh. He never got the <gasps> cocaine. But after the arrest, McKenzie agreed to be an informant for, for the feds, and all of his charges were dropped. And so he made a phone call to the traffickers while the DEA was listening in and tapping it and told them that the delivery was still on schedule. But then the DEA agents kept McKenzie's phone and just stopped communicating with him. So when the cocaine and McKenzie didn't show up to the Canadian drug dealers when it was supposed to, they assumed that he had stolen the coke and that's when they kidnapped his grandparents. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Okay, but okay wow, good. Wow, what a string of bad luck. Right? So when the kidnappers talked to Jim and Sandra's son, Michael, it was obvious that their plan was shot. It got to the point where Mike, who was the guy in charge, um, the Canadian kidnapper in charge, he like broke down. It seemed very apparent to Sandra and Jim that these were not high level drug lords, but instead kind of like middlemen who were scared what was going to happen to them if they didn't deliver the drugs on to someone else. Sandra said, Mike cried like a baby on Monday 
when we they were told McKinsey didn't have the cocaine. He thought someone bigger was coming to kill him because they didn't have the product. He said he made a mistake. Oh so God. because McKinsey knew who the drug dealers were, like he knew these middle guys, and because the DEA had like tapped the phone call, right, they were able to pretty quickly, once the kidnappers made the call, figure out where they were keeping Jim and Sandra. So by Tuesday, the kidnappers were panicked. They told Jim and Sandra they had to stay close to the house. They were like, don't move around the yard. And then in the afternoon, they announced that they were going to have to move them to another location. So at 5 p.m., the kidnappers put a hat on Jim and told Sandra once they got in the car to lay down on his lap. Everybody walks out of the cottage. They begin walking towards the car. Uh, Mike and then the other another guy led them, and then Jim and Sandra followed behind. George, who was like the grandfather type who had said he was there on vacation, stayed on the porch. And Sandra got about halfway to the car when police just swarmed the front yard. And Canadian SWAT members apparently had been outside the cottage for three hours waiting for Jim and Sandra to come out. One of the kidnappers yelled at Sandra to run, she remembers, but the police already had his a gun trained on him. And as they yelled at Mike, the kidnapper Mike, to lie flat on the ground, he said one last thing to Sandra. She was she said this to reporters. She said, you know what he said to me? He said, I'm so sorry about this. Which is so Canadian. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, sorry. <laughs> I'm so, so sorry, sorry about, this. about this. I'm so sorry. So sorry you boot this. Boot. Right? A boot. We have Canadian listeners. <laughs> They're cringing right now. Yeah, I know. They're like, come on, you guys. I thought you were better. <laughs> we don't sound like that. <laughs> uh, I've been watching a lot of Letter Kenny, which <laughs> they do sound like that. Um, so the police took Jem and Sandra to like a nearby wooded area while they arrested all of the kidnappers, investigated the scene. Sandra said her heart rate measured at 220 beats per minute. And so they took, they were taken to a hospital. FBI agents then took them from Canada to a station in New York near their home. And she says she remembers the interviews taking so long before they were able to go home. And when uh, they got there, been torture. right, their door was still broken open. Oh my God. Uh, but they were said they were surprised to find all of their pets had stayed inside. Oh, thank God. Like, good, right? So at least seven people have been arrested in connection with this kidnapping. George, who was the one who – the grandfather who claimed to be on vacation, actually has multiple drug arrests. His son, Mike, has ties to an outlaw Canadian motorcycle club called Rock Machine. They were both charged with several offenses, including kidnapping, forcible confinement, extortion, and conspiracy. Um, and then all of the other men who were around <laughs> kidnapped, they have all been charged. The couple who were in the car waiting outside their home, who they said the kidnapper said were the mafia, each pled guilty to one count of conspiracy to commit kidnapping earlier this year. And Sandra says, though, that the thing she is most upset about is that everyone thinks her grandson had something to do with the kidnapping, but he didn't. Oh, yeah. So she says that McKinsey and his mom just thought they were picking up pot. And actually, in September of this year, McKinsey and Michelle, the mom, pled guilty to federal conspiracy to distribute marijuana. McKinsey got three years in prison, and his mom, Michelle, got three years probation. And Jim and Sandra are waiting to testify against the kidnappers. They were actually scheduled to testify in September, but Jim was diagnosed with brain cancer in late August, which meant that he couldn't testify and either could Sandra because she's his caretaker. So her 
testimony has been postponed. I'm not sure if it's happened yet. It was like supposed to happen at the end of October, November, but I couldn't find anything that said that it had happened, that she had testified against them. As of now, Jim and Sandra are still living in their home, which they said they've modified in some ways. Jim built two door jams for the front and back entries. They didn't have guns in their house before, but now they do. They have security cameras. And Sandra says that every night she thinks about her bedroom door opening and Uh, seeing those two masked men. Can you imagine? But Sandra says even though their lives will never be the same, she takes comfort in knowing that she and Jim have had a wonderful life together and it's not over yet. And as for the people that kidnapped them, Sandra got one last sick burn in. She was like – she said – it's a quote. She said, they certainly were terrible at kidnapping. It must have been their first time. (laughs) (laughs) I just love – there you go. Oh, That's my man. crazy story. I'm so glad they're okay, and I'm glad yep. that their pets are okay, and I'm glad that it wasn't the grandson's fault. It's the yeah. fucking DA's fault. I DA? mean, yeah, DA's fault. DA, yeah, <laughs> kind of. It is. was the district attorney's <laughs> fault. No, it was. Uh, <laughs> uh, it was their fault, but they were doing their job. Maybe don't buy a lot of drugs. Maybe don't traffic drugs across an international yeah. border. Yeah. I don't know. Wow. You never Your grandparents know. might get kidnapped. Exactly. <laughs> but that'd be a lesson for you. No, that'd be a lesson to everyone. Wow. Hey, Sally. Hey, Jen. Are you ready for a love story? Yes, I am. Good. This is just a nice, a real nice sweet one. Real easy peasy. It's an article for WashingtonPost.com written by Sydney Trent. Okay. Um, This is a story about a couple that found love on Capitol Hill. Okay. Which was a really hard place to find love in the past four years. Eight years? Um, One day in June in 2018, Andy Iker had gotten into an elevator on the fourth floor of the Rayburn House office building on Capitol Hill. Right when he stepped inside, then two other women also stepped on onto the elevator and that's when he said that he felt the air change he okay. all of a sudden the elevator was filled with what he calls warm throaty laughter and he turned around and he saw a woman with what he called a beautiful full face smile he was intrigued and he wanted to know who was this woman and so he was trying to look at her id badge so that he can get her name so that maybe he can try to you know meet her eventually or as he said as he told washington post I was trying to figure out whose office I needed to stop by. Um, (laughs) But he wasn't able to get a look. And just then the doors opened up onto the first floor. And this woman, whose name was Gloria Newdom, and her friend got off of the elevator. They both were um, staff assistants for Representative David E. Price. But he didn't know that, and he wondered if he would ever see this woman again. That day, Gloria and her friend, Lee Whitaker, when they got onto the elevator, it was because they were coming back from a workplace rights training seminar. The reason that they were laughing was because they were like basically making fun of men. And as she said, yeah. we were riffing about that and doing the whole dismantle the patriarchy thing. <laughs> so she didn't notice Andy at all. The, their job was really hard. You know, they were uh, legislative staff, staff assistants on Capitol Hill. And at that point in time in 2018, being Democrats, that was a very stressful 
job. She wasn't really looking around for anybody. She was just kind of focused on work. Lee, her friend, um, told Washington Post, especially with the Hill, they call, I guess everybody calls Capitol Hill the Hill. Didn't know that. (laughs) Especially with the Hill, I think that there's a culture of like social climbing and being really, really busy with work, never really even having the ability to turn it off on and off kind of thing is what she said. Yeah. Um, So not really a place for for people to find romance, if you will. So Gloria at the time was 22 years old and she was having a hard time just in life in general. Um, Apparently the apartment that she was living in was infested with mice. Yeah. She was having a hard time dating. She was just string of string of bad luck with dudes and she told her mother that easter at church in a prayer request she had said i generally like to find someone who you know might pick up a dead mouse from the mousetrap for me (laughs) which is so funny because i literally okay i just came home like i have pay landscapers now because my yard is like too much for me to do by myself and i was just telling i like pulled up in my yard and it was freshly landscaped and i was telling and marco polo is telling uh kristen and jill and carly i was like you know there's nothing like the feeling of coming home to a freshly landscaped yard <laughs> that I didn't have to do myself. And then I was like on cloud nine. And then I was, I just decided to take a little peek into the pool. Uh, oh no. <laughs> and there are three dead squirrels floating in the oh, pool. No! And I was like, no. Because <laughs> oh. I have to get the. Then squirrels out now. No. And I, I haven't the slightest idea of how to do it. But I was like, oh, God. No. Like, wait, it just totally, like, knocked uh, me down off my... Uh, <laughs> off like, my... I can do everything myself. I don't, I don't need, need a man. Oh, I have to take out these dead squirrels. Oh, no. So, um, so I could feel Gloria on that one. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, maybe I need to somebody to pick up a dead squirrel from me. <laughs> Um, so can I tell you, this is a, like, this is kind of a sweet story in, in the dead squirrel. Dead squirrel. Okay. So Ben, the first time, like we were just newly together and we were at my dad's house and my dad at the time had a cat and the cat brought home a, like almost dead chipmunk. And I freaked out. I was like, Oh, I can't. And Ben was like, just go inside. I'll take care of it. <laughs> and I was like, okay, you are, you're the one. <laughs> you will find a guy that'll pick up dead animals for you. Pick up a dead, an- like, let oh. be like, go inside. You don't, you don't need to do this. <laughs> <laughs> so I agree. That's funny. I'll do it. I'll do it myself. Uh, But anyway, so Gloria, having made this proclamation in church about wanting to find someone, somebody that'll pick up a dead mouse for her, she decided to go on Hinge, which is a dating app. The tagline for Hinge is it's designed to be deleted. It's for people that are looking for long-term romances rather than like Uh Tinder is for like hookups or whatever. Yeah. So when she started her profile, she wrote her typical, like, because it asks you to, like, make all these prompts so that people can say something back to you. And she wrote typical Sunday mimosa in hand. Um, and But she went on a few dates, but she said nothing really clicked for her. And then yeah. um, she said that she was going to settle 
for she was starting to think that she was going to settle for nice is what she said just all just as long as they're nice to me and then that's when her friend lee um who was on the elevator with her because they had been friends since they were teenagers she yelled at her and was like no nice should be your baseline like not not just just nice but then one July evening, Glory was at a going away party for a coworker at a karaoke bar. When she looked down, uh, which are the best kind of going away parties, when she looked down at her phone and noticed that she had a message on Hinge. And the uh, message said, this is going to sound strange, but you often ride the Rayburn elevators, right? I think we shared a, have shared a few trips. And that was from Andy, who had seen her <gasps> he in the found elevator. her. Found her. He said that he quickly recognized her electric smile in the profile picture. Gloria looked through his pictures. She thought that he was very handsome looking, but she said, but the message was a little creepy. Like, was he spying on her? Right? Like, that is a little weird. (laughs) Yeah. Um, She said she molded a bit and decided to take a chance. So she wrote back to him in response. She wrote, ha, 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 geez, I'm going to have to start taking the stairs if I'm becoming an elevator regular. So on July 15th, Andy and Gloria had their first date together. They went to the National Portrait Gallery, where they uh, walked around and looked at portraits of Barack and Michelle Obama. I'm sure they were, like, staring longingly (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> those are coming them. to atlanta soon oh, i'm so excited they're gonna be at the high museum that's awesome and then yeah. they ended up going to get gelato and then um they said that they didn't want the date to end so they ended up going over to another place to go get some rosé which is frozen rosé <laughs> oh i oh jen i know what oh, it okay. is <laughs> That's where they told each other about each other. Uh, She told them she was from Raleigh. Her dad was an immigrant entrepreneur and her mom priced computer parts. And he told her that he was a twin, an identical twin uh, from Hartford, Connecticut. His dad was a sociology professor and a non uh, professor and a nonprofit leader. They figured out that they both loved the water and that they they both like um, small parties with close friends over bars and clubs and stuff. Yeah. Um, and they both worked for their home state reps and were eager to make a difference in the world. Gloria said that Andy didn't seem at all like he was the stereotypical hill workaholic social climber. Even though they had the most amazing date that they both never wanted to end, she was confused when he didn't text her um, <gasps> yeah um and so so she texted him that evening i guess yeah. to say thank you for a good time and he didn't say anything back and then for two days he two more days he didn't say anything back and she was about to be like i guess never mind i guess he didn't have a good right. time and andy said i take full responsibility for it he said that he took uh, friends bad advice who told them to wait three days before texting. Oh, he swingered it. Yep. He was like, no. He spawned it. He yeah. spawned it. And so he said, I'm glad she didn't delete my contact. But uh, let me just – that drives me ins- – if you want to say something to someone, then say it. Yeah. The whole like games waiting, it's just – it's so unnecessary and just such a mind fuck and it's like – so in in my mind just so inauthentic so if you want to say something then say it and if you don't then don't and don't say things you don't mean and you know what i mean yeah it's so that's too why why why? play games like that i don't know (laughs) why waste people's time i don't know so luckily 
she gave him another shot. Um, and so they ended up having more, more dates. Uh, they had wine and cheese at her apartment. She introduced him to her friends at a bar so that they could all meet him. They uh, met up when they were at work because they both worked in the same Rayburn building and they would get lunch together. Andy said it definitely made the hill a little easier because we always had each other, which is really nice. That um, is nice. And then in September of 2020, they actually ended up buying a condo together. And then in January, they ended up getting a dog together, a brown Labrador named Barry, um, which is formally known as Barack Obama Nuitam Eicher, which is like they're both their last names. names. Yeah. <laughs> or as they say, call him for short, Bone. Um, and then um, they um, they kind of, you know, pandemic together they quarantined quarantined together and then when they were finally able to free of quarantine they ended up going on a trip together to cancun and then they spent the holidays in hartford and raleigh with their families but then on january 6th if you remember um that's when the insurgents attacked the capitol Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so Gloria was at work and Andy wasn't. So Gloria ended up getting locked down in the Longworth House office building while Andy was at home just watching the TV as everything unfolded. I'm sure Um, he was terrified for her. Yeah, he was terrified and they both were. Um, Gloria said, we didn't know at the time whether they were going to be able to break through and get into the Longworth building. Andy said, I was just so worried about Gloria and scared. I didn't know what was going on. Um, But finally, at 11 p.m., when the lockdown ended, Gloria was able to drive home. And when she did, she gave Andy the biggest hug that she could, she said. And then he made her a homemade dinner of lemon capered chicken pasta. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Um, I would definitely like that. (laughs) Yeah. And so she ended up this summer leaving her job on the Hill. And now she works for YMCA of the USA as a specialist in health partnerships and policy. And then last year, Andy started a new job as a press secretary for Representative Hakeem Jeffries. So Recently, they just they decided to have a date night to celebrate their four year anniversary, and but while they were on their date, um, so he invited Gloria on a mid afternoon date to the wharf in Southeast, which is on the Friday after Veterans Day because they both had the day off. So the drive to the wharf runs right past the Rayburn Building, and right as Andy was driving by it, his phone rang, and it was his uh, chief of staff and over the car speaker like the phone call was on the speaker yeah um, the his chief told him that jeffries needed his passport and that everybody else was out of town and he needed andy to uh she needed andy to go by the rayburn building and pick it up <gasps> glory was like pretty annoyed because that was their date night and now they have right. to go by the Rayburn building. So she ended up texting her friend Lee who worked at the building to see if she was around and she was, and then she was like, Oh, come meet us. And then we'll we'll go up and go get the passport. And so she went with Andy into the building to go get the passport. And when they stepped inside the elevator, (gasps) the elevator, good job, Andy, the doors opened up. And when she turned around, um, she realized that he was down on one knee and that's when he asked her to marry him. 
And she said that she was so shocked she dropped her phone in her purse. (laughs) Uh, But she said yes. And then he uh, put the ring on her finger, which was uh, apparently three sparkling diamond circles set in platinum created with his family's heirloom gems. Which I love that when, like, it's sentimental and, you know, I'm not a jewelry person. I know you're not a jewelry person. But when there's sentiment, it's really nice. But so, and then all of a sudden cameras started flashing because their friends and coworkers were in the hallway and they knew what was going to happen oh um, yeah so um so the sunday after he proposed andy tweeted that he and gloria had defied the odds he said we found love in a hopeless place <laughs> which was <laughs> the capital <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Congrats, you guys. Congrats. So sweet. Best of luck to you, you kids. Okay, should we do something dumb and something we love? Let's do it. Okay. No dumb things for the holidays. Good. Good. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Although I do have a dumb thing, but it's it's for the greater good. So I will discuss, but you go first. Uh, okay, so the thing that I love is you have um, brought up Free Fridge 99, which is an organization in Atlanta that does, yeah. they just put fridge fridges in different areas around the city and people stock them and clean them and people can take what they need and give what they can. And that's, it's like no questions asked. Like you just, there's food there. Um, There's lots of like ready-made meals, which is really nice for people, especially uh, people who are experiencing homelessness because they have nowhere to cook, right? They have no way to like, like there's always, they're saying like people always give uh, mac and cheese boxes, but like there's nothing you can do with that if you don't have milk, if you don't have a boiler, if you don't have, you know, I mean, any of those things. So, um, so it's great. So the thing I love is that there is one in my neighborhood now. Oh, cool. Yeah. And so, um, so I just started like signed up to volunteer. So I'm going to start doing like checks on it and distributing food. And it's kind of amazing. Like I've gotten on there. There's like they have like a Slack network that it's just amazing to see how everything runs and like how many people are kind of needed to make all of it work. People pick food up from different restaurants and distribute it to all these different places. And then they or they'll take stuff from restaurants and then they'll make meals like individually packaged meals out of them um, and put them in the fridges. It's kind of amazing. So that's awesome. So that's what I love. I love that. And I loved our holiday party. Me too. Yeah. Um, so I know we said nothing dumb for the holidays, but I think this one is important. Um, okay. Though something dumb I wanted to talk about was um, the tornado devastation in Kentucky and Missouri. Yes. Um, and just how heartbreaking that is. It's, it's, like the deadliest tornado, let me see that. It's the deadliest tornado that Kentucky has ever had, and um, it's it's just oh, it just rips my heart out. Just how hard things have been for everybody already with the pandemic, and it's the holiday season, and you know it just feels like people are just getting kicked when they're already down, and yeah, um, it just breaks my heart. The all of these poor families. Um, I just, I definitely wanted to talk about that. Usually when we talk about 
tragedies and disasters for something dumb, then we always say how people can help and celebrate the people that are helping. So if you do want to help, um, if you live locally, there's different ways to help. You can donate to the Kentucky Emergency Management, who are the asking companies and organizations that can donate services and products. Uh Um, You can call them at 502-697-6600. There's also the KSR Tornado Relief Fund where individuals and businesses can donate. So actually, as of Wednesday, um, they had already raised more than half of their um, $500,000 goal. So hopefully they are at their goal now. There are national organizations uh, such as CARE and Feeding America, which are also um, stepping in to help out. So CARE is collecting money to send food, water, and cash to the tornado victims. And then donations sent to Feeding America will provide ready-to-eat bags of food that do not require cooking, like you were just saying, Sally. Yeah. Um, So there's also um, a faith-based nonprofit in Missouri called Convoy of Hope, and they are sending tractor-trailer loads of relief supplies to the victims so people are stepping up and helping and they need as much help as possible so if you find yourself in a place where you can donate and you do want to do something those are some organizations that you can look into yeah thank you for doing that sure um (laughs) i just yeah it just uh, breaks my heart yeah Um, but I also love you. I love you. And I love our holiday dinner. I love our listeners. Um, I am so grateful for all of you. And we will be next week as you know, holiday week. Sally is hitting the road. Hitting the road. I'll be getting out of here. Getting the hell out of Dodge. Going yes. to Delaware. Delaware. <laughs> the hot spot of Delaware. Um, so we'll probably be doing a best of episode uh, for next week. So uh, either we'll do a holiday best of or if you guys write in and tell us what your favorite episode is, um, we might do that too. So just let us know. Yeah. And, uh, and we love you, and you guys can write us in at dumblovepod at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all the things, um, at dumblovepodcast. You could rate and review us for the holidays, or you could, you know, while you're sitting around seeing people from home, uh, you know, like seeing your family, tell them about Dumb Love. Be like, hey, I have this cool podcast. I think you're going to love it. Uh, Tell them about us. We would love that. Yes. Do all of those things. And also, um, happy holidays to you and your families. We love you so much. Have a wonderful holiday season. Be safe and have fun. And while you're doing all of those things... Make sure to get out there and do something dumb for love. Dum-da-dum, dum-dum-da-dum-da-dum-da-dum-da-dum-da-dum-da-dum-da-dum-da-dum-da-dum-da-dum-da-dum-da-dum-da-dum-da-dum-da-dum-da-dum-da-dum-